wherever you listen throughout the world. It's football time! Welcome back to a new year, a new episode, and a new week of the Gridiron Guys. It's 2022. Uh, we've had a couple of weeks off. Apologies to the members. It was a late draw out. Uh, unfortunately, my Christmas and New Year's has been a little bit tumultuous. So it's been an interesting couple of weeks. So we decided to put that one on hold and we thought we'll come back in the new year bigger and better. Um, but who is joining me bigger and better, as always, is Cam. Cam, how was your time off? Oh, yeah, time off's been pretty good. We uh, sort of had big plans for the next episode to go live, uh, but you've been putting the COVID protocol for this week, so we had to scan that, and we might have to have a live show later down the track. Jeez, it's been a tough one, hasn't it? Like, um, oh, there was COVID protocol right on Christmas as well. I went, had one right on Christmas Day and then managed to dodge it, got away to the coast for the New Year's, was looking all good um come back yeah bang sisters picked it up on news as well so <laughs> we'll see if i've dodged the bullet twice uh we'll see but anyways that's sort of the world we live in at the moment isn't it <laughs> oh absolutely i've been lucky i've just been staying at home so i've been avoiding it as best as i possibly can but yeah i suppose speaking about covid it's been impacting the league and things like that lately we've seen some absolute odd names being thrown up lately um some real battlers getting a go again uh i I don't know. What are your thoughts about it lately? Um, when are we, we rescheduled a couple of games earlier on, but it seems like they're just happy to just push ahead now um, and just go ahead with just blokes just coming up on the reserves list, being signed, you know, the day before a game and stuff like that. Obviously, it doesn't have too much of a bearing at the moment, but looking forward, mm. we've got a week left. We've got playoffs and those sort of things. I mean, what are they hoping for? Everyone's just going to catch it before the playoffs so that no one can catch it anymore? Or are we just going to be re-signing up players the day before a playoff game? Like That could be ludicrous, really. Yeah, 100%. That's what I was going to say. Decisions come playoff time, I think, because that could have huge impacts and implications, especially Super Bowl. Like, if teams are missing the players, I wonder if they will postpone it. It'd be tough to do. But I think, obviously, they changed the rules, haven't they? They sort of cut the time frame in half of how long you have to sit out, purely on the fact that if you put them on the reserve early in the week, they should be right by the Sunday. Yeah, it's like five days now. So you're literally, you're okay. So... I think, um, you know, they're looking forward to playoffs. Uh, hopefully it doesn't impact too much because, you know, we want to see the best guys out there and have basically the best possible matchups because uh, throughout the year, it's been absolutely unreal, some of these matchups that we've seen. Uh, and it would be great to sort of see them on the big stage that we're all looking forward to. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I suppose a couple other big things that popped up lately as well. Um, everybody's favourite, Antonio Brown, was back in the uh, limelight again. Uh Depending on what sort of side of the story you're looking at, it was either for good or bad, but it's always got to be revolving around him, doesn't it, some way or another? Oh, it does. That was absolutely crazy. I think he messages and said, geez, he's lost the plot again. And I looked it up and I just seen him running off the field shirt off, throwing his stuff in the crowd. But then I suppose more and more has come out as we've gone on. He was cut pretty much instantly, got in an Uber and left straight away. But then I think he released a statement today saying that like he's been playing through an ankle injury and they've sort of been pushing him to play he was short of incentives, which I think you'll talk about later. But it's it's interesting to see what truth will come out and whether he'll be back next year. Yeah, it's tough, especially there was quite different sort of um, viewpoints coming out straight after the game. So obviously during the game, we saw Antonio Brown. Uh, something happened on the sideline. He's just thrown his jersey off. He's thrown his shit into the crowd. And he's run off, you know, cheering himself. They're down 24 to 10, I think it was at that point, to the Jets. So 
obviously they were pretty keen to have him playing at that point. Um, but after the oh. game, um, head coach, he obviously wasn't interested. He said, no, he's not a buck anymore. We don't want to borrow him. Uh, I think Brady was a little bit more composed. You know, he came out, he was sort of saying um, we shouldn't, you know, be too quick to judge people and things like that. So obviously I think he, he was aware of what was going on. Uh, you know, timing, obviously not great. It's not like you want to be losing to the Jets at this time of the year, really. <laughs> but, um, you know, clearly they put too much pressure on winning and, you know, it just didn't vibe with AB and he didn't enjoy it. No, you're right. And it's, I think it's just going to be crazy to see what happens in the next few weeks with him. And obviously this statement will have an impact today and we'll probably hear back from Arians and the Bucks. But, yeah, I think I'm, I'm keen to see if he comes back next year with a new team. Yeah, so I think at the moment, Bucks is still holding his rights. So you would assume that so mm. he doesn't pop up on another playoff team and ends up burning them in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> next year, I believe, yeah, he's a free agent. So one question, does he come back? Uh, but I think the interesting one now, considering, you know, all his dramas and um, issues, he's been quite a prolific player on and off the field. Do you think that, these sort of things may affect his potential Hall of Fame career. Look, he's one of the best receivers in the game. He managed to tick off the Super Bowl last year as well. But all these little indiscretions sort of add up a little bit, don't they? Oh, they certainly do. And I suppose that makes it a tough question for them to actually put him in whether or not his credentials obviously meet up to the standards. But as you said, like these indiscretions, like I know there's probably players within the Hall of Fame who's had indiscretions, but I don't know if they've had the checklist that he's had. So I'd be curious to see, because if he does come back and keep putting up these numbers, so hard to not put him in there. And he's absolutely just rejuvenated himself. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Keep an eye open with that. A couple other big things across the league. Big Ben finished up his last home game. Uh, Wouldn't say he had the greatest game, but he did what was needed to (laughs) knock the Browns out and unfortunately give them a... Uh, minus 500, the losing season, which uh, unfortunately means we also owe a skull bet to Meikle as well. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. I think we'll have to put that one on the socials. We'll put a little video together of us sculling. I don't know if it's a litre or two litres of milk. It's not huge, but uh, we'll put that together for him. We made a promise. Yeah, tough out there. So, uh, But it's another it's another interesting talk about a Hall of Fame career that's sort of coming to the end. Uh, Big mm. Ben, you know, he's done everything. But he really, the last couple of years, he's just sort of been holding on, hasn't he? So I think it's probably going to be onwards and upwards for the Steelers. You can see their roster is actually quite good at the moment, you know, with Najee Harris dominated mm. on the weekend. It was unreal to watch him. The defense is electric. Like TJ Watt is on his way to defensive player of the year, I reckon. He With the four sacks he had on the weekend, that's pretty much sealed it for me. So you go away, yeah. you potentially work right Mason Rudolph in the offseason or you look at another QB. This Pittsburgh team, all things considered, it's had a winning season and it can quite easily get back to the playoffs with a new QB. Yeah, oh, 100%. That's the annoying thing. I think I saw that Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record season throughout his tenure, which probably coincides with Big Ben being there as well. So I think it puts them both in Hall of Fame status. Um, but, yeah, when do they go in the offseason, as you said, do they stick Rudolph in there and draft someone, which we're unsure what's available. Kenny Pickett could be the guy. Mm. But... There's room, like I guess there's going to be so many rumors floating around with them and you guys as in Denver about players and quarterbacks coming to you, like these top tier quarterbacks. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is sort of back in favor with Green Bay, but he could still go anywhere. Um, I, I could see them picking up a, a veteran and then bouncing back. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of blokes flying around there these days. So keep an eye on that. I think the other big thing that sort of happened the other day, uh, which is a bit of a sad news, uh, John Madden unfortunately passed away. Uh, great football player, coach, just all around lover. And he was almost just pretty much a football dribbler, wasn't he? Basically on those commentaries sometimes. You just listen to some of those old tapes. Um, you know, the namesake for the Madden football game that we've all known and love, you know, that's pretty much what spurred most Australians into NFL as well. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. you know, credit to him, all goes to him and, you know, rest in peace. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The tributes were flowing for him on the weekend and it was fantastic. But, yeah, as you said, I think that was my biggest point is I don't think without that game, many Australians or Europeans or anyone else around the world outside of America would have such an impact or such a knowledge of the game or not be interested in the game without that without the video game itself. I think that's sort of made people interested because it's such a cracking game. Yeah, it's growing the game tenfold, to be honest. So, um, but I suppose that's about the breaking news. We're sort of looking towards, uh, you know, we've wrapped up week 16, week 17 while we've sort of been away. Uh, majority of playoff spots are, are sealed. We've got a couple left to be filled. Uh, the big one is in the AFC and it involves a fair few teams at the moment. So we look forward to that. We've got the Colts, the Raiders, the Chargers, Steelers are still in with a shout, and also your boys, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, who do we think gets in and who gets left on the outside looking in? I think the most likely scenario is, I'd say, Colts make it in, and then that leaves it sort of battling out between the Chargers and the Raiders because I think, I mean, the Colts haven't beaten Jaguars since 2014 at their home, but the Jaguars are the Jaguars. Lawrence, I really haven't been huge on this year. So once they do a deal, uh, it'll be down to the Chargers, Raiders game, which I think you think go the Chargers way, but look, there's so many options. Raiders sit, Ravens sitting at 11th need so much to go their way and same as the Steelers. So what are your thoughts for AFC? Yeah, look, I suppose Colts get it done easy. They take on the Jags. Uh, there should be no troubles with that. Um, and then obviously the next two matchups, they come up against each other. So Raiders play Chargers and Steelers play Ravens. So we look at the Ravens mm. and the Steelers. That came down to a 20-19 to 19 win to the Steelers there, which is just a yeah. great game. That was with Lamar Jackson. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, he's still not available for this game, yes? Uh, look, yeah, he hasn't practiced for a long time. They still sort of lead that as questionable, which is one thing we hate when they just see leave players sitting at questionable for the whole week. But, yeah, I, I don't see him playing. I mean, we could still win this, I suppose. It's it's the best way to sort of end Big Ben's career at our home, trying to knock him off and knock him out of the playoffs potentially. So, yeah, I, I'd say Tyler Huntley will play. Yeah, look, and that would be a big old finger to Big Ben. You know, division rivals, you would love to knock him off and not let him have a win on the way out. Uh, look, looking at Tyler Huntley, you guys have lost, I think it's five in a row now ever since playing the Browns. Uh, but you can't say that Huntley hasn't done a bad job recently. Um, the most recent game against mm. the Rams, 19 to 20 loss. So that was great. So I think you could potentially put, you put a bit of pressure on um, Big Ben and you could quite easily, you know, start to rustle some feathers. However, as we said, you've got to deal with a whole number of other people, especially that defense, considering the amount mm. of guys that aren't on the Ravens list at the moment or are injured, COVID protocol, whatever, you could be in for a really rough time there. Yeah, it's going to be a cracker game. But yeah, I think as we just said, I think it's probably going to be an irrelevant game after the Colts sort of knock, knock the Jaguars off. Yeah, correct. And then, look, when you're looking at the Chargers and the Rams, um, they came across each other towards the start of the season, sort of about midway. Chargers come away easy, 28-14 to 14 win. Herbert was great in that game. Mm. 
But you sort of look the recent couple of games. So Chargers have been on quite a run. They're only lot, though they, they do lose to the Texans. Davis Mills has been playing lights out, almost the best rookie QB lately. Um, and the mm. Chiefs in a close OT game. Uh, whereas you sort of turn around and you look at Las Vegas, they've actually been on quite a tear lately. So they took out the Colts last week in a great close game. Um, and then they've beaten the Browns and the Broncos, but they were drubbed by the Chiefs. So I think. The Raiders are good against certain teams, and that's what I've found this year. But then against, you know, quality opposition or certain oppositions, say, potentially like quite pass heavy like the Chiefs or the Chargers, they seem to struggle quite a lot. So I think that's what's going to leave the Chargers, give them that little extra tip over the top. And so my tip is, yep, Indianapolis are going to go through and the Chargers are going to go through and that'll round out the seven. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, For the NFC, I suppose that leaves us with San Fran and New Orleans. San Fran playing the Rams with the Rams giving up potential. Do they give up potential home field advantage if they do lose? And then New Orleans are playing the Falcons. I don't know what happens here. Yeah, well, I think the most interesting thing will be the Atlanta versus uh, New Orleans game. So I suppose at the moment, Saints have been quite unsettled with their QB lately. Uh, they had Ian Book, I believe, the Notre Dame QB who came in a couple of weeks ago and got absolutely schooled. Like that game was actually horrendous between them and the Dolphins. So considering the Dolphins' record, I was quite glad that they actually got eliminated because they really did nothing against good teams. And they, sh- I don't know, it's weird to see that they won like eight in a row or something. Anyway, I'm getting bogged down. Um, look, but Falcons recently, they've done quite well. Um, so they've had won three of their last four. Oh, no, sorry, two of their last four. Apologies. They took away the Panthers and then beat the Lions. But they've had sort of a close game against the Bills. They got drubbed by the 49ers. So I think Kyle Pitts has been playing quite well. He just picked up a 1,000-yard season for a tight end. But other than that, you haven't really heard too much about them. So I think that could be quite a close game, potentially, considering just useless people out there. Um, But I turn to the San Fran game. Now, again, Trey Lance played last week. He balled out. That was great. Uh, Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo back in for this week, I believe, because um, it was only sort of a thumb injury. So this could be quite a close one for the Rams. But as you mentioned, home field advantage, they're looking for that in the playoffs. I think they're going to go all, gu- all guns out blazing. Um, Cooper Cup's going to destroy every single record because of that 17th game of the year. And they're just going to go lights yeah. out, really. And I think they get their running back back, Cam Akers. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, five months after Achilles' injury, he is back. So I mean, that's a huge pickup for them back in the game. I mean, Sony Michelle's been pretty good for them, but yeah, because we didn't sort of think of the scenario where both these teams lose, and I think that just means San Fran make it in. Correct. Yeah. Default there. Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. So uh, look, it's interesting. Obviously, looking at the playoffs though, um, and who's confirmed. Who do you think is going to make a bit of a, a move through the end of season, and who do you think is going to fall out without a whimper? Uh, see, that's what I'm going to find interesting here. Now, Bengals have, have topped the AFC North this year, and I think they've been ridden a bit too hard. I don't think they're actually that good. Tennessee will be the interesting one. They do get Derrick Henry back, as we saw this week. He is back training. Um, looking at the rest of it, I don't think the Colts are as good as people think. I think Kansas City probably make it through in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Green Bay are the one for me that I think is going to be the most interesting I think their rush defense is probably their biggest glaring hole. And if there's a team that can take advantage of that, then they could spoil the party for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, NFC is certainly quite wide open. Um, Some of those lower teams, like if we potentially have Philly, San Fran or New Orleans, any of those three, don't see them making an impact. Arizona could pop up and hurt someone. Um, They came away and beat the Cowboys last week, which was quite convincing as well. Mm. I think they're always a danger side, but I don't see them making it all the way to the Super Bowl, as we sort of mentioned all year. 
Dallas are the interesting one. They sit at 11 and 5. They haven't actually beaten a top a team with more than 10 wins this year. So they're almost like a bit of a and I suppose that's because of their division, but they're almost a bit of a side mm. that's done quite well but actually hasn't burst anyone hard. So and we saw over the weekend playing against Arizona, they crumpled under that pressure. So you're looking at guys like Rams, Tampa Bay, but they've got to go through Lambeau Field. We've seen recently the past couple of weeks, it's been freezing cold. The ball is just, the game is just completely different through there. So advantage Green Bay. Yeah, 100%. I suppose after next week in our next week's episode, we can really dig into the uh, playoff scenarios and break down each game and see what we think. Absolutely. But I suppose for this week, we should probably look into some player awards this week because uh, we missed out on a couple of weeks. Uh, and I think we're going to do it a bit differently. So instead of finding some new offensive and defensive players, because it's the end of the season, we're going to give a bit of love to the special team. So kicking off, who was, well, let's say, who was our special team players of the year? We're going to start with our punters. Uh, Cam, who did you have on your list? Uh, yeah. So for my team this year, I've gone <laughs> punter first. So I have picked Cameron Johnson, our Aussie boy, out of the Houston Texans. So he was previously at the Philadelphia Eagles, moved across to Houston. Got a bit of the leg worked out there, 83 punts, nearly 4,000 yards. So he averaged 46.9 yards per attempt with a net average of 42. I guess that takes into account what his return does, a long of 69 yards in the 20, 33 times, which equated to second in the league. Yeah, so for myself, I've gone another Aussie, uh, Michael Dixon uh, from Seattle. He punted out 3,817 yards with a long of 68. His average for the year was 47.1 per punt. Uh, He landed also 38 of those inside the 20 with only 10 touchbacks, and that was a league leading. So that was a great year for him, absolutely, again. So, again, our Aussie boys doing their thing over there punting. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. That's a big shout-out to Pro Kick Australia there, just getting things done. Yeah, massive. All right, now on to the kickers. Uh, kickers, I, it's hard for me to go past a bit of bias. I've gone Justin Tucker. He's obviously made the Pro Bowl again. In my opinion, is the best kicker in the league. He kicked a 66-yard game-winning record this year to win the game against the Lions. I think he might have kicked another winner for this this year. Um, 35 field goals made at 94.3%, and he made 31 extra points at 100%. So it's pretty hard to go past the automatic man himself. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I've gone to the other side of the Pro Bowl. Uh, Matt Gay from the Rams, he popped off 31 of 33 field goals with a long of 55. Uh, so that left him with a 93.9 percentage rate. And then he also popped off with 45 of 46 extra points made. So he was quite automatic as well. Yeah, perfect. That's bloody good. Um, I guess for the last one, and I've stuck to a bit of bias, Pro Bowler himself again as a return specialist, Devin Duvernay from the Baltimore Ravens. So I guess with both return yards, he's gone punt return. He's got the most yards in the league with 360 with 14.4 average. Kickoff return yards, I think he's like in the top 10, 563 yards at 24 average. So 923 all-purpose yards for him this season. Yeah, huge. Uh, For me, I've gone Braxton Berrios from the New York Jets. Uh, He's obviously had plenty of chance to take back some kickoffs, uh, (laughs) led in a few scores there. So he racked up 852 yards. That was number three in the league but he was num- number one in average with 30.4. He also had a long of 102 and collected a TD. Uh, on the punt side of things, he averaged about 13.4 returns on returns and a long of 28 for the year. So good year for the special teams, uh, special stats for the special boys. So get on the Insta and vote for those ones and we'll see who is our special teamers of the year. 
Perfect. All right. What does that bring us to next? I think that's on to our rookie watch. So for myself, I'm going to go uh, lead off because you're going to be a hard act to follow your guy. Um, but I've gone the tackle, Rashawn Slater. He's been our man since the draft. We've always been huge on him. Uh, it was him and Panay Sewell uh, on the offensive line that we really vibed and just had massive pitch tents for. But Slater's been the guy all year. He is absolutely dominated for the Chargers. He's set them up so well. He's laid the platform for um, Herbert to just do his shit. So, But his Week 17 game against the Broncos was basically the cherry on top. Uh, he earned a 94.8 overall grade for his work, which was the highest graded player of Week 17 regardless of position. So... Um, he was just lights out. He basically dicked our defense. We had no answers for him. So he's just a man out there on a mission. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And yeah, we love that pick of Rayshon Slater. We thought he probably would have gone a little bit higher and he dropped to the charges. And that's huge for what they needed. They needed to protect Herbert. And he's just been an absolute brick wall on that line, as you just mentioned. All right. Who uh, rolled through for the rookies this week for you? Oh, look, I had to look at a few others. Now, I'm going to have to give a special mention to a few guys because they've probably gotten stitched up here. Now, Mac Jones had a cracking game. Patriots mm. finished with a 50-piece. Um, special mention again to a, I guess, to a couple of listeners of ours, Ben Hughes and uh, Pastry Press, Manjot the Myth. Uh, Trey Lance on his first start for the 49ers. The 49ers faithful loved Trey Lance's first start. He absolutely carved up, but I think it was impossible to go past who we believe is Offensive Rookie of the Year. He pretty much won it this week with a huge performance against the Chiefs. What did he have? He had was 11 catches, uh, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. So that gives him the absolute highest rookie record receiving yards and 13 touchdowns in the league, which ranks him as second. So Jamar Chase, and I mean LSU wide receiver U, had the best team ever in 2019 with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase at wide receiver. There's no doubt that they won purely on the back of those boys with Burrow. Yeah, it's crazy. The connection that Burrow and Chase are getting at the moment, they're just tearing through. Uh, fun fact, Chase also had more yards uh, ran than, uh, what's his name, Mahomes threw for. So <laughs> there you go. Keep that one in the back <laughs> pocket for you. Wide receiver topping a QB. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, now we'll roll on to flying and dying. Who is flying for you this week, Cam? Uh, for me this week, I it's annoyingly I couldn't go past Joe Burrow. His uh, last few weeks have been electric against the Ravens. Uh, I mean, look, I know you can only play up against who you put up against, but he put up some video game numbers against the Ravens and then he turned back up against the next week against the Chiefs and absolutely smoked them. So what is he? Fifth in the league in passing yards. 34 touchdown passes, and over the last few games, he's just been absolutely balling out. And like I didn't say, I said before, I didn't think the Bengals were going to be much chop in the playoffs. But look, they've got projection for the next few years under him. Yeah, it's ridiculous just how much of a leap he's made. Uh, walking into potentially comeback player of the year as well, if you want to buy into that. So, mm. but he could even he should even be you know NBA rules. He'd be ready for rookie of the year as well. So he's just putting it all together, and it's just pure <laughs> class. Uh, for my flying this week, I had the Jets rookie cornerback, Brandon Eccles. Now, he had the absolute cojones, not just to pick off Brady while they were up. You know, great, great interception. I believe that was his first career interception as well. But mm-hmm. after the game that Brady won, the balls to go up and take the interception ball up to Brady and get him to sign his, his own interception. So I thought that was pretty ballsy of the young fella. Uh, he'll obviously never forget that moment. And it's almost a little bit of an F you to Brady, if you want to read it like that, <laughs> signing your own interception. 
Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. And look, hats off to Brady. He could have just brushed him off, but that was pretty cool scenes. Um, so for dying this week, what have you got? Uh, for me, we mentioned it earlier. We teased it, uh, foreshadowed it. It is Antonio Brown. Now, unfortunately, whichever side of the coin you sit on, uh, whether it's the Bucks or Antonio Brown, uh, what we do know is that Antonio Brown is not going to cash in this year his bonuses. Uh, I believe he had a one-year contract. Can't remember what it was worth, but it wasn't heaps. But his bonuses was where he's about to make his cake. Now, he only needed eight more catches to unlock a, uh, a third of a mil bonus, 55 more receiving yards to unlock another third of a oh. mil, and only one more receiving touchdown to earn another third of a mil. So you imagine if he stayed in the game for the Jets, he probably would have knocked off a couple more catches. So he really would have needed half a dozen catches. Uh, 50 yards and one touchdown to make a nice, neat meal already, you know, sewn up Christmas bonus type shit. So, uh, yeah, it's tough, tough work out there, Brown. But, uh, you know, thankfully the Ubers aren't too expensive to get take home from the games these days. Yeah, look, it's interesting. And I suppose Brady being the good guy is, we just talked about before with signing the football, he's, I think he's been known to sort of get these guys their targets to get their bonuses. He kind of goes into these last few games knowing exactly what these guys need and get the two of them. Yeah, good guy, Brady. Uh, <laughs> as much as we hate him, he does do the nice stuff. So who did you have to home? Yeah. Uh, so I've stuck with the AFC North and I have gone Baker Mayfield. Look, the Browns really have disappointed this year. Baker's been horrible. Look, And it was a number one pick. People wrote him off pretty quickly. He sort of had a few good games partway through promise this year. Biggest question is, is his time up in Cleveland for you? Yeah, I'm done with him. Uh, throughout this whole year, I've had his back and all he's done is shit on a plate and fucking throw it in my <laughs> face every single time. I've given him so much time. I gave him so much length of the rope. And I think this last week was the end of the straw, really. I knew he couldn't close games. So what? Just give the ball to Chubb. You don't have to do anything. Just make the long third and longs. And all you got to do is feed the rock to the running back. How hard could it be? Apparently really hard. So I think <laughs> piss him off. You've got a great roster again. This is another one of those teams where they're a quarterback away from like a playoff championship Super Bowl type thing. So uh, we seem to be saying that a lot. But this, this team is genuinely lights out if they get a proper QB. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, look, I, I agree with you there. I think he didn't sign that new contract, and I think Cleveland would be fucking thanking their lucky stars because he's done for me. He's done. Yeah. See you next year. All right, uh, that wraps up our awards. So we will move on to the next segment. All right, I'm making another comeback as well after a couple of weeks off. The next segment, Meikle's Hot Minute. Uh, Meikle returns to us uh, refreshed after his big New Year's as well. How are you going, mate? Mate, good. Probably not as big as yours, but uh, good to be back. <laughs> Uh, I don't think it'll ever be as big as mine, but that's all right. Uh, shall we uh, lock into what's got your what's got your gears turning this week, mate? Look, I, I, I'm going to have a chat about COVID, and I think there's going to be a little more luck involved in winning the, the Super Bowl this year with the current COVID protocols. As teams may be knocked out simply because they have players unavailable. There have been more than 300 players pl- placed on the COVID list in the last two weeks after testing positive. We've already seen a handful of games postponed, but with only a week left in the season, there is little room to further alter the schedule. We saw it with the college bowl season with schools pulling out as they were unable to field a healthy team. Now, while this is unlikely in the NFL, having a few key plays in the protocol could spell the end for some teams. We've seen it earlier this year with Aaron Rodgers missing a game and the Packers looking completely different team. And on the weekend, while the Vikings were a long shot to win anyway, Without Cousins, there were no chance. If you were to face a team that heavily relies on quarterback play or a particular running back or receiver, 
having those individuals out could decide the result. Playing Tampa Bay without Brady or the Chiefs without Mahomes or the Colts without Taylor, I'm sure the betting lines would look a lot different. Having these third or fourth string quarterbacks in some cases playing in critical games not only hurts the team's chances, but damages the overall product. I'm not sure of the alternative, but could we be placing a bit of an asterisk on the eventual winner of this year's Super Bowl? Yeah, no, we touched on this a little bit at the start of the episode, but it really could make or break your season. I mean, especially looking at some of those teams, I don't know who the fuck the backup is for Tampa Bay or who the backup running back could be for the Colts. And there's probably a reason for that because they're massive spuds, I'd say. So this could clearly have an asterisk. I'd say we talked about the COVID protocol shortening to five days. So essentially it's, you can get it on the weekend after a game when you party out with the strippers or something and then be back in time for the Friday practice. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, everyone's either caught it and they're sweet or whatever, or um, this could be a case of things being swept under the proverbial rug once again. Yeah, that's uh, I think my biggest thing is probably they're going to send themselves into, I reckon they might, could potentially put into a bubble because I guess, as Michael said, it's you've got not much room for movement there to move games, change games. And as Michael said, the product gets diminished if you've got a shit-ass team getting absolutely romped in the playoff game. So uh, they could move themselves into a bubble or make players forced to like stay in isolation during the week. Yeah, I, I think the biggest unknown is the, the status of the players. Like I think we saw Cousins, he was automatically out for two weeks given he was unvaccinated. We don't know what the key players, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated. So, yeah, the five-day rule applies, but that only applies to vaccinated guys. So, you know, if a couple of these high-profile players, you know, Rogers was one earlier in the year, they're out automatically two weeks. So, I mean, that could have a huge impact on them. Yeah, pretty much finishes your season, I suppose. So, you did mention, like, the college game has grappled with it and it's just caused disasters. So... Look, we cross our fingers and just hope that the crime doesn't wipe through the NFL um, and, you know, these guys just make smart decisions. Yeah, we definitely want to see the best team or the best product win. And, you know, if you've got your, your third or fourth stringer in there, and that's just not going to happen. Yeah, well, look, while we've got you on the uh, topic of the playoffs, we've noticed your boys have now scraped into the playoffs after starting two and five. Jalen Hurts is playing absolutely lights out, could be the best player in the league. Um, you've gone seven and two since and only allowing 16 points a game and rushing for over 180 yards a game. What are your chances? Well, I don't mind our chances. Like, I mean, we're two and five and like you said, and our coach gave the famous, uh, you know, the shoots and the, and the growing speech. And, you know, since then we've been lights out. I think in those first weeks when we were losing, I think we ran the ball of the league's lowest and now we're one of the league's highest rushes. So I think he's, he's, he's thought about, oh, yeah, Hurts actually can't play. So let's just run the ball, and that's our recipe for success. Because let's be honest, Hertz isn't the reason why we're winning games. Um, so as long as he can have as little impact as possible, I don't mind our game. Good defense, good running game. I think we'll cause some headaches. Yeah, well, I suppose um, the less he throws, the less Jalen Rager has to catch it as well. Well, yeah, he's a special teams player at this point, isn't he? So he's going to get, um, you know, if you've got another contract, it's... it's going to be on special teams because he can't catch a cold. <laughs> oh, well, sounds good. All right. Thanks again for joining us, Michael. We'll see you next week. All right. Chat next week. All right. And then I think plan is uh, we're going to move into a bit of college football now. We're going to discuss that. It's been a big end of the season there. We're still one game to go, uh, but I think a nice little debrief over the season. It was a great year. Um, impacted a little bit by COVID, especially this recent week. We just mentioned an impact in the NFL, the bowl games, um, 
So first of all, a lot of the bowl games were either rescheduled. Uh, in some cases, they had to find new teams to play um, or they were just downright cancelled. I think the best part about this, majority of these decisions uh, were made in the favour of the players. Um, you know, a lot of these programs went, look, we just don't have enough people to go and do it safely. And they didn't play. And I know it sucks for fans and things like that to not be able to see their team play in the bowl. But, you know, for um, programs to not go to these bowl games, they actually forfeit a lot of money um, and TV deals and things like that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, credit to them because they could have pushed through with, you know, freshmen and non-scholarship players and things like that so that they just cash in their check. And, you know, we see a game. Um, but no credit to them. They put the safety in first. And I think that's probably the best thing that we sort of saw through this bowl season personally. Yeah, look, it's probably pretty smart decisions by them. The only other major thing before we get started on some of the bowl games is mm. I thought the biggest thing out of it was there was a daylight robbery committed in one of the uh, bowl games. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing with my own eyes. Uh, Tennessee were just <laughs> genuinely robbed by the referees of a genuine touchdown. I, I just cannot believe it. And they've just allowed that on national television. Yeah, look, that was a heartbreaker. Uh, not for myself because I had an inkling that they might lose and had them in a multi. So uh, I, for one, personally think they made the right decision. No bias there for whatever reason. <laughs> but, you know, no, yeah, it was a crazy call. I think um, it's one of those ones where it comes down and you, like, if you look at it in real time and slow-mo and things like that, you can yeah. make different calls. And slow-mo, yeah, it looks like he his forward progress was stopped and fair enough, but you watch that in real time, which is what the refs do. So he really shouldn't have made the call. Um, You know, he kind of gets held up and then he puts his arm over. You just give that a TD really. Yeah. Look disappointing, but look, it was a good, that was actually a cracker of a game was watched by, I think it was one of the biggest watched games outside of the uh, new six bowls. So look, any other games that you thought really were crackers for you? Uh, a few of the start of the season actually were quite good. I really enjoyed Northern Illinois versus Coastal Carolina. You know, these are sort of mm-hmm. the start of the bowl season. These are some of those teams. A couple of them have got 10 and twos um, and some of them not so much. So, um, but, you know, that was a great game, 47-41. It was just a score fest, really. It was just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we also touched on a bit of Western Kentucky. That was our boy, Bailey Zappi, uh, who knocked up the college record. They just rolled through. Um, Fresno State again. We're excited to see Heisman Hayner come back for next year. So looking at him to go all the way. And then look, you just work your way through um, and then get back to some of those, you know, uh, 30th, 31st of December and then the New Year's Six. They were just all great. Um, considering, I think um, one of the big things about bowl season is probably moving into this is a lot of guys that we see opt out to go for the NFL draft which is unfortunate, you know, they want to avoid injury, even though the bowls are kind of, I wouldn't really call them a final for your program. They kind of are a little bit, you know, you get a trophy, but it's more of a celebration of your program. You get to come together. You play a team that you really don't play um, from potentially the other side of the country or a completely different conference. So it can be a real interesting matchup as well. So I think for the fans, it's unfortunate to see some of these really good players. I know, say, for example, like the Oregon-Oklahoma uh, game was a bit rough to watch for Oregon fans because they a lot of their players left or went for the transfer portal. Uh, the big game of Pittsburgh versus Michigan State, that would have been huge, but the two best players on there both went left for the draft. Um, and then to add insult to injury, one of the players that didn't go to the uh, is going to the draft this year, Matt Corral, uh, for Ole Miss actually did end up playing and, you know, because he wanted to pay it back to Ole Miss and unfortunately he injured himself in the first quarter. So I think that's, it does put a bit of a damper on some of the bowl games and I want to get your thoughts on it, Cam, because unfortunately 
because of Corral's injury, it's going to, you know, add weight to that next year. And more and more people are going to say, I don't want to get injured when I've got to go to the NFL. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's interesting because some of the commentators were spraying these guys and being like, oh, you, you, you're throwing away your program. You, not, you don't give a shit about the program and the school that got you to where you are. And then obviously the injury happened to Matt Corral and it kind of sort of threw the, threw the narrative the other way. Now, I'm not opposed to players opting out because, look, the school... You, you don't know nothing to the school. I know. Well, you do, but you don't. I don't. I think the school's fine without you. They're going to keep rolling on. They're going to keep making money, and they're going to be back next year, and they're going to be doing the same things. Look, I know they gave you your chance, um, and they gave you your scholarship and all that sort of stuff. So, in a sense, you do kind of owe something. But I think business decision. You're going to make a lot of money in the NFL if you're going to go top first round, second round. I think sometimes you've just got to make those decisions and bite the bullet. Yeah, correct. Look, I think, um, as I said, it's disappointing to not see the matchups. I think that's what I really enjoyed. Just these matchups on paper mm-hmm. would have been sick. But I completely agree with you. This is a business at the end of the day. Um, you know, guys still talk about, like, you know, um, having to love your school, your program, or even your NFL team, when we've seen on multiple occasions that the team or the program can turn around and just cut you on a whim. So, it's it's really it's taking back something for the players. Um, it would be nice to see them play because especially some of these games would be unreal to watch. But unfortunately, yeah, these guys got to take those business decisions for themselves. And I suppose maybe if we work, they were to get paid for these games possibly or reimbursed mm-hmm. or something like that, um, we could potentially start seeing more. And I think that's maybe what we might see with the NIL deals. Um, and considering some of those are exploding at the moment and causing a lot of havoc uh, with the transfer portal. Yeah, look, it's one that's going to be contentious throughout the rest of time until they make probably a decision on whether you're allowed to or not, but I think they can't stop you. Um, now, going into some of these New Year's Six Bowls game and this college football championship, we saw some great games. Oklahoma State rolling Notre Dame and getting over the top of them was huge. Rose Bowl was an absolute cracker with some mm. huge stats being put up. Um, what were your thoughts on those games as well as the uh, semifinals? Oh, it was ridiculous. So that uh, Notre Dame, they were up home and hosed essentially. Um, Cook had gone, oh, sorry, not Cook, Cone. He'd gone out and thrown five touchdowns. He'd had a great game for himself. They didn't really do too much on the ground, but Oklahoma State, they, came, they fought back in those last couple of quarters. The third quarter was just outstanding. I think it was two touchdowns to a field goal to Notre Dame's nothing. So they really gave them a run for their money. Um, I think Oklahoma State, unfortunately, they went down to Baylor in their championship game and missed out on the playoffs, um, but mm-hmm. they redeemed themselves here this week. Uh, the next one, Iowa versus Kentucky was a cracker again. Kentucky, not a known football school. Iowa, not a known offense at the moment. They were really sort of, you know, just a defensive team. So that was a nice grind, 20-17 to 17 win for Kentucky there. Oh, bit of thunder there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. Rose Bowl, Ohio State versus Utah. Uh, that was just ridiculous. Like Utah had no right to sort of come up there and play that well against Ohio State. Um, but Ohio State, considering they lost a couple of players, the, their two big wide receivers are going to declare for the NFL draft. Um, but you had Stroud, yep. he tossed six. Smith and Jigba had a, an absolute dream game. 347 yards, three TDs. But I think it was just the way that this game played out. Uh, it was 38. So fourth quarter starts. Uh, 38-31 to Utah. Ohio State come back, 38 all. They take a go-ahead win, 45-38. to 38. Then Utah, their main quarterback who got taken out of the game, the freshman backup, never played a snap. He comes in, he leads a potential game-winning drive, 
uh, to level the scores at 45 all. Unfortunately, just let, left a little bit too much time on the clock. And Ohio State were able to march down and get the winning field goal. Yeah, it was a cracking game. And it was, again, another one of those televised games that just copped a huge audience and they were treated to an absolute spectacle. It was uh, like... Yeah, we didn't expect that game. The uniforms for me of Utah's were an absolute mm. winner. Their helmets were sick. Yeah, no, it was it was so good to watch. And uh, it was unfortunate for them because the Pac-12 then, uh, they weren't able to win a single bowl game. So if I just bring it up, the bowl records there. Uh, so I think the top bowl um, conference was the Mountain West. They had five wins and one loss. Uh, then you go down to the, the top of the, Big, uh, the Power Five was the Big 12. They had five wins, two losses. Big 10 had six wins, four losses. The SEC had six wins, eight losses. Uh, we mentioned the Pac-12, zero wins, five losses. Uh, so it was sort of an even spread there along a lot of them. Uh, how do you think most of the conferences went matched up against the others? Yeah, it's interesting, I suppose, with all those players sort of opting out, COVID affecting it, it was hard to sort of get a gauge on how teams win. I know SEC usually get blown up because they, they lost more than they won and they're usually meant to be the powerhouse. But, I mean, bowl season's great. We were, it, it's anyone's game because I suppose these guys barely see each other during the regular season. Um, I suppose this moves us on to the semifinals and I suppose they sort of played out how we thought and defence really won those games for them, do you think? Yeah, correct. Uh, unfortunately, the run ended for Cincinnati. We were really hoping for, you know, the Cinderella story, uh, but they weren't able to do it. I think they did well to keep Alabama to only 27 points. They really kept the lid on Bryce Young there for majority of it. It was just that fourth quarter that he was able to get away from them, really. Until then, it was 17-6. So um, you could say that they were sort of in the fight there, but watching their offense and the way that Alabama defense held them, uh, you know, kept Desmond Ritter in check, didn't really allow them much of a run game. So, and just sort of kept putting the pressure in three and out. So uh, it was nice because our boy um, Mason Fletcher got plenty of kicks in there uh, and he certainly strutted his stuff. But yeah, <laughs> the Bearcats just unable to find the end zone. And that was basically the killer. Yeah, absolutely. We love what we saw from Mason Fletcher. And you got a shout out from plenty of guys. I think Pat McAfee loved it and a few others really got around him for the strut. Um, I suppose one question I came out of before we go into the uh, playoff predictions is Aiden Hutchinson. He's projected to be number one pick, but he really got held in check for most of that game. I know a lot of first-round picks are going to come out of those two games. Do you think he still stays number one, or do you think that affects his stock? Not much, but maybe two or three. Uh, look, it's a tough one because, personally, I haven't seen in much of Hutchinson this year. I didn't really rate him as highly as potentially Kayvon Thibodeau, who's pretty much going to be – it's either going to be them, those two, for the number one and two. Uh, I thought Thibodeau had yep. probably a better year personally and was quite surprised to see Hutchinson in the Heisman finals and for him to actually come runner up. I know he had a good year, but I think just when, when you sort of look at the effect that these players have throughout the year, I thought Hutchinson had a really good stretch of games there, really made his mark on a good, yeah. like maybe like four yep. or five games there towards the end of the season and, and made his run. And I think that's what people do remember. But for me, the longevity, Thibodeau, he played really well throughout the whole year. So uh, personally, i probably still leaning towards Thibodeau as number one pick. Um, yep. And unfortunately, this definitely doesn't help considering Stetson Bennett came in. He was not rated at all as a good QB. And he basically mm. torched that Michigan defense, didn't he? Yep, 100% he did. Um, so I guess that moves us on. I don't know if we want to go in depth on this one or we just want to go a quick prediction of the game. Georgia, Alabama, what do you think? Yeah, well, I suppose uh, 
the game will be next Tuesday. Uh, no, sorry, next Friday. So, yeah, I reckon we'll go in depth next episode. But uh, my thoughts are, look, Alabama obviously won the SEC championship. They came through. It was a 41 to 24 win, so quite comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I think, though, giving Georgia the second chance of the bite of the cherry, they're going to come at them hard. They're going to have a better game plan this time. Um, look, it's hard to see where it goes. I'm hoping Georgia win personally. I know you don't. But uh, I think Georgia may be able to work its way. This is a bit of a confidence booster for Bennett, and they're going to be able to ride this home and take home the natty. Yeah, that's fair. Now, my biggest qualm with this is Alabama are not the favourite in betting and not the mm. favourite on the uh, matchup predictor, and that never bodes well for the team playing them. Whenever they are underdogs, uh, Saban just has the chip on his shoulder and gets it done. Now, look, I don't like either of these teams because just for, for obvious reasons, but look, Georgia winning would be painful for me, so I'm going to have to go Alabama. <laughs> look that's fair enough all right well i think that wraps us up for this week uh as we said all the stuff will be on the socials again uh we've got a heavy playoffs to go so next week we'll wrap up the uh college football before that championship game and week 18 and just we look ahead to about six uh five or six weeks until the big daddy yeah absolutely we're super excited for that let's go thanks for letting us in your crib it's been real